Summertime is always a um, special treat at Gateway because uh, our, our normal preaching pastors get an opportunity to take a little bit of a break, and we get to hear from other people in the congregation. This morning we have a very special treat, Dawson and Jenny, come on up here. Jenny has been part of Gateway since she was two, two years old. I remember when she arrived, just tiny little girl, but uh, she's been with us for uh, many, many years, and we're so grateful for that. And Dawson has been with us since he was 11, 11 years old, so uh, he's into the second decades. And uh, they found each other here. God put them together. They were married here. And uh, we want to warmly receive them. They are family this morning, and I know that they have a great word on their hearts. So why don't you give them a warm welcome? We're going to pray for them and uh, ask the Lord. I, I, I'm actually going to pray for us this morning because we need as much grace to receive the word as people do to preach it. So we're going to pray for both of us this morning. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you that it is a living and active and powerful. And it is the standard, Lord, by which we measure everything. And we thank you for the great power and encouragement that's in this word today. We pray that you will open our hearts up to receive from you. We welcome the Holy Spirit to illumine and convict and encourage and strengthen. And we pray that you would empower these two to deliver what's on their hearts and on your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Wow, we have a really neat opportunity this summer uh, to be going through the Psalms. And the Psalms are an amazing book. The Psalms are unique because in the Psalms, we have our words spoken to God. You know, much of the Bible is God speaking to us, and we need to hear God. But the Psalms are unique because in the Psalms, we have all of these emotions and situations and circumstances where we can, where the, we can use the Psalms to turn our hearts to God. And it directs our emotions and it directs our focus so that we can take every circumstance that we're in and we can turn it to God. And so, Jenny and I this morning, we'd like to take you through one psalm, Psalm 34. And Psalm 34 is an amazing psalm. It speaks of the wonders of God and how He's a Redeemer. So, to start, to start us off, why don't we stand together and read the psalm? Okay, this, this psalm is meant to be, to be read together. So why don't we do that? And we're gonna, we're gonna do it together. I'll read the parts marked leader, and you can read the congregation. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. It'll come. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him 
and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many, Many are, are the, the afflictions, afflictions of, of the righteous, righteous but, the but the Lord, Lord delivers him out of them all. He, he keeps all his bones, bones. Not, not one of them, them is broken. broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Amen. The word of the Lord. Sorry, Dawson. Uh, I forgot to dismiss our teenagers to release them to Fusion. So if uh, you're still here, uh, they're waiting for you in Fusion grade 7 to 12. Thank you. Amen. The word of the Lord. One of my favorite opportunities as a parent is being able to see my children taste, well, seeing my children, but one of the best parts of that is seeing them tasting food for the first time. Has anyone seen a child tasting lemon or ice cream for the first time? Okay, a bit of a guilty pleasure because you're taking pleasure in them squirming and scrunching their face, right? But check this out. This is Jeremiah when he was about two years old. Not Jeremiah? No, not, not two. Not two. Okay. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he, okay, he's not two yet, but he's tasting ice cream, a lemon ice cream for the first time. I think this is a sample at Costco or something. <laughs> that's, that's Auntie Christie. Okay. <laughs> Tasting something like ice cream for the first time, there's no way you can explain that to somebody, to a child. All right, there's no way I could have said, okay, Jeremiah, when you have this bite, it's going to be cold, it's going to be sour, it's going to be sweet. You got it? You good? Doesn't matter what I told him, even if he could understand it, there's no way he would have understood it. He, would have, he wouldn't have really known what I was talking about until he had that first bite. And in this psalm, David is writing the psalm, and his main theme is taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. David wants us to taste the goodness of the Lord, not just know about him, not just read about him, not just understand what it means to have a good God. He wants us to taste, to experience the goodness of God. And 
We're going to look at three different ways that he does that. He teaches us to exalt the Lord at all times, to seek the Lord, and to rely on his righteousness. Exalt, seek, and rely on the Lord. So let's take a look at this psalm. Right at the beginning of Psalm 34, we have a bit of a helpful note. It says, Of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. Okay, so this is setting the context for what we're looking at in this psalm. And it's pointing us back to 1 Samuel 21. This is the story of when, when David is fleeing for his life from Saul. So the story goes, David didn't know how Saul was going to react to him. And so he set up a deal with his friend Jonathan, who was King Saul's son. And he told Jonathan, if things are not going to go well, if I need to get out of here, shoot your arrow past the servant. And this is exactly what happened. Things didn't go well with King Saul. The servant, uh, the arrow went past the servant, and David knew he had to run for his life. So his first stop was to the priest Ahimelech. This is not Abimelech at the note at the beginning of the psalm, so it's a little bit confusing. This is the priest Ahimelech. And Ahimelech gave him the bread of the presence, and he gave him the sword of Goliath. So I'm imagining that's a pretty big sword. He's preparing him to defend himself and giving him the nourishment that he needs. And from that point, he goes to see the king of Gath. Uh, And this is Achish. And when he gets there, I think he was anticipating he'd be able to go undercover. But that didn't turn out so well because his servants noticed him and said, oh, this is the guy. This is the guy King Saul's after. And so he needs to get out of there right away. And so he changes his behavior and starts looking like he's insane and lets spittle come down his beard. And and he manages to, to fool the king of Gath into believing that he's insane and he kicks him out. So it was a close call. And this is where he writes a psalm. Seems like a good time. You know, last time I was fleeing for my life, I thought, maybe it's time I, I write a song. I, I rarely write songs, and I rarely flee for my life. So I haven't written many songs, so maybe that's why. But you know what? There's an important principle here that David is teaching us. He's showing us, even in the worst of circumstances, even when you're fleeing for your life, that's when you should be worshiping and exalting the Lord. And he spends the whole first, well, the whole psalm, but that first paragraph is just full of David blessing the Lord. And how does he do that? He blesses him with his mouth. He says in verse 1, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So he's actually speaking the words. It's a verbal utterance. He's, He's blessing the Lord with his mouth. He's also blessing the Lord with his soul. He says, my soul, in verse 2, he says, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. So it's coming out of his inner being as well. And thirdly, he's blessing the Lord with others. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And that's actually what we did this morning. Remember, Ron brought us along and got us to exalt the miracles of God. And that was a pretty neat experience because we didn't just focus on ourselves and thinking about the miracles 
God has done in our lives. We're thinking about the miracles that God is doing in others, in Gary's life, in others' lives, right? So it's bringing us out of ourself, getting our focus off of our problems and looking to what God is doing in others. And it's this theme of continually worshiping the Lord in every circumstance. You know, like Will was singing, day and night and night and day and day and night and night and day, let worship rise. Every day, every circumstance, everything that we're in. Now, do we do that? I don't. And I find it a challenge. Um, I find it a challenge when I come home after a long day, come have supper, put the kids to bed, now I'm exhausted. Seems like a good time to pull up the guitar. No, usually sit, you know, turn something on the TV and rest, right? David's saying, every circumstance, exalt the Lord in every circumstance. Or, you know, maybe a Saturday I've been with the kids all day long and they're starting to whine and get annoying. What do I do? Sing? Maybe yell at them, right? Not something I'm proud of, but that's what David's saying. Look to the Lord in every circumstance. So it is a challenge. And if I think of someone who does this, the first person that comes to mind is Tony Grande. And I was in Tony's, Tony and Heather's cell for a number of years. And every time that we would come to cell, Tony would be erupting with praise. (laughs) His heart was turned to the Lord. And there was, the word of God was deep in his heart. And that's what this looks like. Every time I would see him on a Sunday morning, it would, it would just erupt out of him and it would encourage me, it would encourage others. And you know, he was doing this with his mouth, he was worshiping with his soul, and he was worshiping with others. John Kaczorowski and I went to visit him a number of weeks in the hospital when he was fighting cancer. And nothing changed. He was erupting praise. That's what I want to be. I want to, in every circumstance, I want, I want the praise of God to come out of my mouth. And that's what David's calling us to here. So that's the first way that David's showing us we can taste and see God is we exalt the Lord at all times. For uh, the second reason, we're going to look at seeking after the Lord, and Jenny's going to take some time to share. Good morning. So the Lord is calling us to seek him, like it says in verse 4. It says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. As I've been thinking about the tasting and seeing the goodness of the Lord in my own life, I can't help but make that connection between where our physical need for food is a picture of how our spirits crave connection and relationship with the Holy Spirit. Just like our bodies need us to keep on eating through the day multiple times a day, um, we need to keep coming back to the Lord over and over again. Once is not enough. Um, once a day isn't even enough. 
as it says, um, David says in verse 1 again, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Ephesians 6, 18 talks about praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. We need to keep connected with him if we want to keep in relationship with him. At times, that kind of connection requires us to actually stop what we're doing and give him our full attention. Put all else aside, read the word of God, pray and listen, and make room for him. Sometimes as a busy mom, it's really difficult to do that, to let go of the dishes piling up and the laundry that needs to be folded. And it can be a real challenge to prioritize him when all these things are right in front of me. But it's kind of like when um, when one of my kids comes up to me and says, Mom, 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 a hundred times over and over, and I'm trying to get something done, maybe I'm cooking something, and I, and I need to stop, that's what they'd like me to do, and turn and look at them and pay attention to them. Um, it's kind of like that. We want to give our attention. We need to stop and look at the Lord. And once I've taken that time to do that, I never regret it. He always meets me. But in addition to our quiet times with him, we need to bring him along with us wherever we're going. We have so many things that we need to be doing, and our lives are busy, and we are we have people depending on us for things. And I wish sometimes that I could stay in my quiet space if I get one. But reality is, I have a family who needs me to feed them and keep them alive. And, but... <laughs> That doesn't mean that we have to leave God back in that quiet place that we we had that time with him. We can bring him along with us wherever we go and bring him into our busyness. Um, there have been seasons in the last nine years as a mom um, with four kids where the only quiet time I got was when I was sleeping, and there wasn't even much of that. So if I wanted to remain in relationship with Jesus, I had to decide to bring him with me in whatever I was doing. Both of these things, the stopping to listen and the bringing him into our busyness can be difficult to do, and it feels like a fight sometimes. Even after being a Christian for almost 30 years, I'm still learning how to do this. I thought I would have gotten the hang of it by now. But it is a choice that we have to make, and I have to make that choice every day, multiple times a day. The Lord has actually done a huge healing in my heart and in my mind this past year, about six months ago. Um, it's one of those miracles that many of us were shouting out. And so I thought I would take just a very short time to share and make this long story as short as I can. I had been struggling in a very real and dark way with an anxiety disorder for about a year and a half. Actually, all through my life, I've struggled with anxiety. And it would come and go in its intensity through the years. Fear and people-pleasing and perfectionism are very familiar to me. But last fall, I was at the lowest place I had ever been. It was com- I was completely running on empty, emotionally, mentally, and I felt like I'd, I could barely manage the simplest tasks. It was a constant feeling of just trying to make it through the next few minutes without losing my mind. It was a terrible experience. In all my busyness of life, I was also not taking the time I needed with the Lord and not allowing room for Him to speak to me. Finally, on November 1st, I was at my absolute worst, and I broke down mentally and physically. I felt absolutely finished. 
I wrote in my journal, I'm done. I just can't pretend anymore. And that was actually the first day I felt like I acknowledged that I couldn't keep going the way I was. I needed help. Praise the Lord for the body of Christ. My husband was an amazing support to me as we tried to figure out what I needed. And one of our pastors, Peter Todd, came to talk with us and pray with us one evening. And I felt the first glimmer of hope that night. I also started to meet with a Christian therapist, which was very helpful to me. One day in the middle of December, I had a meeting with her, and at the end of our sessions, she always took time to pray for me. While she was praying, she felt the Lord had a word for me, and it was this. The Lord says to take the time and go deeper with him. When I take the time to go deep with him, he will take me deeper. Don't flutter on the surface. Go deeper. So when I came home from our meeting, both of my little boys went down for a nap, which was a miracle. And I knew that the Lord had spoke to me very clearly through that time with her. And it was what I really did want. And so I sat down in the quiet, that sunny, snowy afternoon, and I started to write in my journal about my conversations we had had. And then I listened. And I prayed. And so I just sat there quietly looking out the window at the snow, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak very specifically to me. He was very clear and very gentle. He spoke to some specific situations I'd been dealing with, and then he said, Jenny, you can't be perfect because you are not God. Only I can be perfect. Don't try. Give it to me and let me be God. And in that moment, really, it was only a few seconds, the Holy Spirit not only spoke those words to me, but he lifted a huge weight off of me. It was as if I had just heard those words for the first time. I don't have to do it all. Let God be God. I knew that he was God, and I was not, of course. But when he spoke it to me in that moment, he changed me with one little whispered sentence. I didn't feel put down or condemned. I just felt that that was the truth. So I asked him to forgive me for trying to take control of my life, for trying to take his place. And he forgave me. And all that darkness, the fogginess, the panicked state of my mind, he just lifted it and he allowed me to take a deep breath of his spirit and taste his goodness. I'm so grateful to God and I haven't been the same since. We can speak, sorry, God can speak to us no matter where we are, but we have a choice whether we're going to be available to go deeper with him. And my encouragement to you and a reminder to me is to take the time to wait on the Lord. Remember verse 4 where it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. So Dawson and I are just going to sing a song for you. i 
Thank you, Jenny. So in our search to taste God, David has taken us through exalting the Lord at all times, seeking after Him. And thirdly, we want to look at how we can rely on the righteousness of the Lord. David wraps up this psalm with an amazing promise. This is verse 19 and followed by verse 21. He says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Let me ask you, who are the righteous? We are the righteous in Christ, right? In 22, he says, the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So he's telling us, 
These are the righteous, those that take refuge in the Lord. Those that are his servants, those that take refuge in him. And in the New Testament, we read about the Son of God who came to earth because the Father sent him in love for us. We are sinners. We're not righteous. David wasn't righteous. He'd be the first to admit it. But God, in his love for us, sent Jesus to earth to die for us. And as he rose from the dead, he offered all who come to seek refuge in him the promise of eternal life and true, pure righteousness. So that God the Father seeks, sees, down, sees us who take refuge in Christ and sees the perfect righteousness of Christ. So when we read this psalm, we don't have to worry, oh, I'm not good enough. I've yelled at my kids this week. I'm out. No. That's condemnation. And he says, none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Condemnation can be a, a, a constant heavy. And that's honestly, that has been a constant heavy in my life constantly worried about what people think. Sometimes I feel like I don't even know what I think because I'm just so worried about what other people think. But God says, none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are being saved. We have no condemnation in Christ Jesus. For those who take refuge in him, we have complete confidence. And if I think back on my life, the times when that fog has lifted the most, it is the times I've been worshiping. I was actually really struck by this. I was just thinking about the times in my history when I have felt like like I'm not feeling condemned. And it's been the times I've been worshiping. Uh, the, the time I remember most, um, I was, I think, right here, actually. I was leading worship for a conference. And we were singing the song, Beautiful One, I'll Never Forget It. And God just opened up the heavens to me, and I, I felt like I saw him. And I was worshiping there, and I, I think I was prancing around on stage, to be honest. <laughs> but I didn't care at all what people were thinking about me. And that... That was because I was, my eyes weren't on myself. Alright, that's what it takes to get us out of that condemnation. When we're feeling condemned, we're looking in. We're looking at all our problems. Rather than looking at the one who has the solution to our problems. In fact, he's done it already. We don't even have to do anything. We look to him. We take refuge in him. So this idea of continually worshiping is all about continually taking our eyes off of ourselves and off of our problems and looking to God. And so the righteousness of Christ, that when we find him, fuels our worship. We can't worship God in righteousness, because we're not righteous, but we have the righteousness of Christ. And so when we take this together, we see we're always worshiping, and we have the righteousness of Christ that enables us to always worship. And so there's no condemnation for us who are being saved. 
So I'd like to ask you this morning, where is your experience of God? Have you tasted the goodness of God? Or do you feel trapped by condemnation? Like I often have. David's encouragement to us is, look to the Lord and exalt Him all the time in every situation. Call on His name. Seek after the Lord and He will deliver you. And live without any condemnation when you live in the righteousness of Christ. Let's pray.